The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to talk sports with Daryl and Sam. Welcome to Sports Info UM featuring Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. These guys know the sport like nobody else. From former players to coaches to the great figures of the NFL, you'll get the inside scoop on what's going down today in football and other sports. Now, here's Daryl and Sam. And welcome to Sports Info UM. Hey, you just got Daryl, but it's a whole lot going on in the world of sports. Man, can you believe it? We got coaches on the hot seat already. Already we got coaches on the hot seat. Charles Woodson will be on an NFL show next year. Already signed, not necessarily signed a contract, but hey, Keyshawn Johnson is out on a pregame show. And let's put Charles Woodson in there. That's a big story, I think. And hey, the biggest story of them all right now. Listen to me, people. Peyton Manning is involved in a sexual lawsuit from his days in Tennessee. Guys, we got a call on the line already. Hey, what's going on? What's that? Matt, who do you have on the line? Hey. Steve, Steve, what's going on? Hey, Dale, how are you, man? Hey, doing good. Steve, what's been happening, buddy? I'm uh, just grinding the grind. Do you know how it goes? I do know how it goes. You know, but you guys sometimes take a minute and smell the roses. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, because all that so grinding, man, you know, it'll, it'll start a fire. You know, you all those sparks fly, uh, flying everywhere from grinding, grinding, grinding. Next thing, you got a fire. You don't want a fire, man. You don't want to take it easy. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, it seems as though Peyton's got a much bigger fire than any of us. <laughs> Yeah, man, Peyton Manning is going to need a long hose to put out some of this fire he's dealing with right now. Can you believe this? From 1996, and this is an athletic training, you know, and we've been in locker rooms, man, where we've seen women around. You know what I mean? I'll never forget the first time I saw Christine Brenner when I was a freshman in college at the University of Miami. She was in our locker room, and I thought this was crazy. You know, but I was a, a young man, and didn't really know any difference, and then I realized that you're in the big leagues now, and there are going to be women in the locker room. And we also had women that were trainers, and they were a part of the locker room. But I think we all had, we all knew that there was a level of respect there, and you had to have that respect for for women. Uh, we all had a lot of respect back then. But hey, Peyton Manning is accused of. He says he was mooning one of his teammates while. Um, getting some therapy done, and this woman said he put his genitals in her face. Well, a little suspicious, only the fact that this happened back in 1996, and it's just coming out now. 
Well, it happened in 1996, and let's kind of get the story updated a little bit. Um, now we're finding that this is happening in a lot of on a lot of colleges now, where they're saying that uh, sexual assaults among athletes has been rampant, and no one has been saying anything, and especially football players. And we've talked about this on our show a lot of times. All you got to do is follow the money train. And when you follow the money train, you'll find things that are protected on that train, like your quarterbacks or your superstar athletes. They go out of their way to protect these guys because they know uh, once you lose the money train, you f- sometimes you lose money yourself. Uh, University of Louisville, they're looking at a sex scandal um, 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 Baylor University, well, at, their football team is looking at a sex scandal. FSU had their troubles too. And they're still going through it, you know. Um, so I, I think and when we look at these programs, the, the football is the key ingredient. And it's where the money is. And I guess for one thing, basketball may have been a bigger player in the game than football in, at Louisville University because it has a history of basketball. But I think, um, I think, man, we've, we've protected athletes. We know that. But sometimes we go a bit too far. And I don't think anything is going to happen from this Peyton Manning thing. And I, he admitted to mooning someone while he was being worked on by a female trainer. Well, I don't know that we'll ever know the exact truth of he said, she said, because that's basically what it is. He can, you know, unless she has witnesses and the fact that it took from 1996 until now to come out, it's a little bit suspicious since he just won his second Super Bowl and maybe she wants to cash in on it and take care of it. And you know as well as I do, we've had these conversations at tailgate. I mean, we lived it back in the day, in and out of the locker room, in and off, of, on and off of the practice field, before and after games, women approached us all the time, and they could paint a picture however they wanted to. And every last one of us at some point in our lives has been a target for it. Now, I'm not defending ourselves. I'm just seeing both sides of the coin. And I'm not saying he's innocent, and I'm not saying he's guilty. All I'm saying is maybe somewhere in between lies the truth. I would agree with you, and we all know that if this was a second-string quarterback, this happened to in 1996, and he never played on an NFL team, we wouldn't have this conversation right now. It would, be, it would not it be a story. Be, wouldn't even be news. No, but because it is Peyton Manning, and because he, because he has won his second Super Bowl, and he's about to probably cash in on more money now. And, you know, and some people say um, the NFL is, 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 is as big a cover-up for Peyton Manning and this story as the University of Tennessee and the SEC is for this story. There are rumors that Peyton Manning could be the next um, Tennessee Titans owner. You know, so, you know, he, they, he just does not. And he's also the, the NFL Franchise, You know, I mean, he's the face of the, of the NFL. You know, he was a prince of the NFL before he got there. Archie Manning's son. So there is maybe a level, level of protection for him, too, that a lot of people is, are not going to get. I agree with that for sure. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's 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 a possibility. Hey, but man, let's talk about a little something else before I go. Um, I'm, I'm a little, let's hold, hold on to this NFL because, you know, Peyton Manning is leaving. And he's if he leaves, now I'm, I say he's leaving, but if he leaves, he's going to leave $19 million on the table. Is he leaving? That's a tough one. Or, or are they going to have to uh, ask him, say, hey, Peyton, you got to go? If they say you got to go, then you got to go. But I don't think they're going to say you got to go. I think even if they say you're going to go, he's still going to get a certain amount out of that. What he's done for them out of nowhere, you know, entirely different game changer. I, I, I would agree with you. You know, uh, and Peyton Manning, does he want to stop playing? Is he going to give us that old Brett Favre um, giddy up and go, giddy up and go? Is he going to be playing for the Jets next year? You know, it's a, it's a possibility he could want to play and want to play someplace else. Some team that he think could take him to the Super Bowl. Who knows who that is? But um, it and it's, although maybe he's going to just say, hey, I'm going to leave this alone because there's plenty of television uh, commentating jobs that are begging him to come and they're paying. They're going to pay him five or six million dollars just to sit at a desk. Well, I think Peyton's going to probably, whether he decides to ultimately retire now or in another year, uh, he's probably going to stay with the franchise in some form or another. And you know they're going to they're going to take care of him because you know, he basically leaves one team where he had incredible success, comes to another that has had their success in the past, but not like this um, for quite some time. And then all of a sudden he just brings them back like they're the best team in the NFL. And we know what Carolina brought to the table. Uh, Cam Newton is, you know, he's like LeBron to the NBA. And he just didn't have the experience that Peyton did. I think you're right. Um, But do you really think that the Denver Broncos are willing to bring Peyton Manning into the fold and say, hey, you got a, a lifetime position here with the Broncos. I just don't see him and Elway, their egos, even though Peyton Manning is maybe not as vocal as Elway, but their egos are just too big to fit in the same building. Possibly, but I'm not familiar with the relationship between the two, you know, how strong it is or how weak it is, or if it's, you know, a, a tweener situation, but... Yeah, they're, they're, they're two awfully large egos, but Elway has become the consummate businessman. I mean, you know, after he retired, he went into the dealerships. Um, even before he retired, he was invested in them. And then when it came the opportunity for him to be this franchise, basically, he, he took it because he still had a love for the game. Um, Peyton coming in, it's like how, how much longer does John Elway actually want to do what he's doing? Right, and that's you a ask good question. That too. That's a good question. Yeah, you know, um, very good question. Maybe Peyton, maybe priming himself or wanting to take the Elway job to get a little experience, or maybe he might even want to work under the franchise for a little while because there is, like I said, a rumor that he could be the Tennessee Titans' um, next owner. And not only, you know, how it is when. When you're super, super, super rich, you know a lot of super, super, super rich people. Absolutely. I mean, so I could see him owning he, the team. He, 
down the road, possibly. Yeah. Not just yet. Maybe. You never know. Hey, uh, Stephen, before we let you go, let's, uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, how do you feel about the uh, Mark Rick uh, hiring at the University of Miami? Uh, well, having had the opportunity to play with him for a couple of years, he was a couple of years ahead of me, but, uh, and he just missed out on the national championship we won on the first one. I'm, I, I couldn't be more pleased. I think it was sheer luck that he was even available. Just the timing worked out well. Um, I know one of our former brothers, Vinny, had a lot to do with that. He was on the, the selection committee, and along with Jonathan Vilma and then the uh, the street people, as I call them, the streets. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Had the timing not worked out that way, I don't know who we would have definitely ended up with, but I don't think we would be as happy as we are now. Um, Mark has had great success at Georgia. Um, I think he's making methodical moves and not moving too quickly. He's doing the best he can with the recruiting scenario because he's firing away from behind the eight ball instead of being out in front of it. Plus, we were down a just a few scholarships from what you know the rest of the teams had. But all in all, I think he did pretty well, and he is going to try and build us back to where we once were and and once, you know, had a true, true determination to become a champion. And we've been short of that for a number of years with some of the wrong moves. But uh, um, I think Blake James has had a lot to do with this. He's got a very open mind about how things should be run. And he, like the rest of us, wants it to be championship style, not necessarily win the championship in your first year or your second year. I'm not going to put a number on it, but at least have us in position to compete for it. And I think that's what the most important thing is and teaching the kids the right way to do things. I think you're right. And I really think Mark um, is the right man for the job. Um, I'm thrilled that we got him. And I, I, I would agree with you. I think he kind of fell into our laps. You know, um, the universe circled at the right time and things just happened to be um, right at the right time. I'm thrilled we got him. I played with Mark Rick. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman at the University of Miami as well. And so uh, I'm really happy that we have him. Um, Man, I think he's gonna do some wonderful things with us, and we can't we can't get um, we can't expect things to happen like a microwave. I think we have to really be patient and let him let him cook us up a good product down there in Miami, and not not be afraid to to um, to suffer some some things that we're gonna have to deal with. But I really think Mark is gonna have our program in the right direction. You know, he's I gonna have these kids working hard. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, this was the year before you came in because I'm in between you and he, but I remember at practice when Coach made the decision to make Kelly the starting quarterback. Mark was distraught. He was upset, but he stuck in there and helped the team perform the best way we possibly could. So 
we know right from the beginning he is a team player. And being the head coach now, he's trying to build a team around him that will help our program be that much more successful. And that's why he's been very methodical in it, who he's chosen. He's made a couple of changes that um, may have not been the most popular amongst everybody out there, but I think he's making those changes for the right reasons. He's the one who's leading this team. He's the one who's got to be able to work with the people that are around him. And sometimes personalities just don't fit the right way. And I, I and, would agree, and I think that's a sign of a real leader, is when you're not making the, the most popular decisions. Your decisions are made on business and, and production. And who do you think is the best person for the job? Not who do you think, who John, Joe Blow or secretary think is the best person for the job but who he thinks the best person for the job is and I think um, Mark is his own man he's going to make his own decisions and I think we're we're in for a, a good ride I'm, I'm excited I know the University of Miami Nation is very excited I can hear the excitement in your voice absolutely I mean I was I was absolutely thrilled I was at the press conference I did have a chance to uh, I didn't have a chance to speak to Mark but we waved at each other, and I, I did have a chance to speak to, to Vinny. And Vinny, just like you and I and a number of our former teammates, have been so excited about what is to come. Yeah. And I think he's going to try and build things from the ground up all over again, which is necessary. Um, sometimes you have to take a step back before you can really move forward. And I think the fans are going to have to be patient and allow him to do what he is doing. He will, and I know this firsthand, Mark is one of the most competitive individuals I've ever known in my life, and he wants it just as badly as we do. And this is not about the money or ego. He just likes to win. So he's going to do everything in his power in order to accomplish that. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for coming on the Sports Info UM show. We're here every Monday night from 8 to 9 o'clock. And, hey, man, we'd love for you to come back and talk a little bit more about UM and a little bit more about what's going on in the world of sports. But thanks again, man. we got to take a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back, guys, after these messages. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. 
Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're hooked this week on cold weather casting, and we're your official 2016 headquarters for all things fishing. Now joining the revolution with Jim and Trav will be pro bass angler Gary Klein of Jack Link's Major League Fishing, Jared Jeffries with Modern Fishing, Mark Zona from Zona's Awesome Fishing Show, and our very own Cat Daddy. It's presented by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're tuned in to Sports Info UM with Daryl and Sam. Call us today at 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, guys. Peyton Manning is involved in a sexual lawsuit. University of Tennessee is involved in a sexual lawsuit. Baylor University is involved in a sexual scandal. Louisville basketball team say they had prostitutes over in another sexual scandal. My goodness, guys, this happened all over the place. But this thing is going to get out of hand now when we get our golden boy, Peyton Manning. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, guys, we got a call on the line. Hiram, how's it going? Great. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing wonderful, man. Life is very good for me here in Florida. The weather's nice. Um, life, life is good. No complaints at all. And yourself? Well, I'm doing great, but the weather isn't good here. I'm, it's snowing, sleeting, and everything, and I got to get up in the morning and go to jury duty. Man, you should be in Florida, you know? I mean, you know, I just heard the other day that our state is the fourth largest state in America now. And we're growing at a rate faster than any other states. A lot of people are moving here, so you might as well move here. Price is right, too. And our taxes are really, really good, Hiram. Well, I love Florida, but I, I just love to visit Florida. I enjoy the, 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 the four seasons, so oh, okay. I'll, live, I'll stay here in Washington, D.C. All right, well, I try. Hey, Hiram, you know, um, this is Black History Month. And uh, I know you've, um, you're one of the few people that I know that were at the Million Man March, and you were also at the Martin Luther King March on Washington. And I guess I'm going to ask you, because a lot of our listeners had, don't know anybody that was at both of them, um, what would be the similarities to these, and what would be the total differences of these um, two events? You know, when, when uh, the... The Million Man March, I was there, and I was on the D.C. Police Department. So you were working? I, I, was, I was on site, and I didn't have to take any action, but I was there. Wow. And uh, for, for the uh, King anniversary last year, my wife and I was there also. 
And you know what stand out in my mind about that is when uh, Jimmy Carter spoke, he said that he thought that Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the greatest leaders in this country. And he said, I don't exclude presidents. Uh, wow. Wow. Now, those are powerful words coming from yeah. Jimmy John, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Carter. Yes. You know, and um, would you agree with those words? Absolutely. I, I certainly do. Yeah. yeah. When uh, uh, and you know, if I if I don't without going back that far, I clearly remember when I was on a business trip in Miami and I talked to you until you was there and I think you were like a junior in in uh college at the University of Miami. Yeah. And you asked me to come in and speak to your your class. Dr. Wolf I, was my professor. Right, and I did. I talked about uh, the law of arrest and search and seizure. And yeah. I was comfortable doing that because I taught the law of arrest and search and seizure at our Metropolitan Police Department training academy for seven and a half years. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's probably one of the better grades you got when you were at the University of Miami. <laughs> well, <laughs> Well, you know, it was summer school, Harm, and um, you, know, you get a lot of good grades in summer school. But I got an A. Now, let's don't get it twisted because I did invite, um, uh, uh, I think you were a lieutenant at the time. I did, and, you know, that was, that was a big deal for my professor to have you from Washington, D.C., and you were there working at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, so. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I thought that was great. Well, thanks for that A. It really helped. You know, and it, you know, and I, <laughs> And you know, yeah. I don't if I don't know if your audience want to hear this or not. But uh, when uh, Patricia Oliver came up to uh, spend a couple of months with us during the summer, I think she was about eleven years old, and she was running track. And I invited her to a, a track meet, and she she uh, came to the track meet. And she uh, ran track with the kids in her age group, and she beat them by half of a, in a 100-yard dash, she beat them by 50 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and so the coordinator asked me to let her run with the teenagers, so I did, and she did virtually the same thing. <laughs> and he, he said, could I get her to run with the boys? I told him, no, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> Oh, and, I, and you know, uh, you're talking about my sister, uh, Pat, uh, Pat Robinson now is her name. But um, Absolutely. You know, Patricia is, uh, has been a physical education teacher for over 30 years, and she's retiring at the end of this year. Um, one of my I, biggest fans. I talked to her about a month ago, and she told me that. Yeah, and actually, um, there's a new gym at her school, and they tried to keep it from her, but they're renaming this gymnasium. Uh, Patricia Robinson Gymnasium. When, Is that uh, right? Honor, honoring her next month, the month of March. So I plan on being there for that big ceremony, and uh, uh, so I'm, it's going to be a big deal, and I'm all excited, and I got something very special to give her on that on that date. So, 
And you know, I don't, I don't want to keep hanging into the family. But there was another person that was uh, very, very close to me. When she passed, they named the train a training center in Putnam County after her, Brady Lee Oliver Training Center, because she trained all the bus drivers in Putnam County. <laughs> hey, that, that, man, you get you're touching close to home now. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know, uh, since we are talking going to family, because Brody Oliver is my mother, and she was a very another proud person in our community and did a whole lot of things, uh, from a driving instructor to a driving trainer. She was a route coordinator. Uh, she did. A, she was just a tremendous person, and and as we speak of African American history. Uh, um, she held a tremendous job as a black woman in our community. Um, and um, today is the second year of uh, Walter Oliver Jr. passing away. They were 15, two years ago. Right, certainly is, yeah. yeah two years ago. I, I just, you know, when we talk about black history, I, I could talk about a lot of things that, you know, black players did, like Jim Bryan and all those kinds of things, and I think it was great. But uh, this, since this is my first time on your show, I just wanted to talk about some of the things that uh, my family members did that I thought was outstanding. Well, I appreciate you, Harold. You know how much I love you and care about you, too. All right. Take care. Thank you. you guys get back to sports and that. And one of these days, I'm going to call up and talk to you about Jim Brown and his uh, achievements. I really appreciate it. Don't make it a long time either. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Take care. Hey, guys. That was Hiram Bruton calling us from Washington, D.C., giving us a Black History Update. And uh, we have uh, Ron Walker on the line. Ron, what's going on? Hey, Daryl, how you doing, man? Man, doing really, really good. Uh, I, I want to let you know, you're invited, Ron. You and all of our listeners are invited to Splitsville in South Miami on February 29th at 6 p.m. Uh, Splitsville, I got to write that down. Yeah, it's a bowling alley. It's Monday, February 29th. Um, Reggie Wayne is, is going to be like the, uh, the big kahuna there. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you let them know, and you know, you you're a big part of you and family. Uh, the event is sold out, but um, um, you let them know you're coming down there, and they're gonna make okay. room for you. It's called yeah. Splitsville, right? Splitsville. That's all of our audience. Okay. Make yeah. they're gonna make yeah. room for us. Yeah. Been a long, hey, I got a, it's been a long time since I've been on the alley, man. So yeah. Uh, hey. So, hey. <laughs> hey. I, I went bowling. I went bowling about a month ago at my church, you know. And I used to I used to bowl like once, twice a week back in the day. And I, they said, "Well, how are you?" I said, "They said, are you good? Are you fair? Are you just okay?" I said, "I'm good." Man, them ladies put a whooping on me. You hear me? I felt so bad. I wasn't good anymore. I used to be good, but not anymore, man. Man, I'm going to tell you, I used to bowl in three leagues myself in the day. But, hey, I, I, I'm going to have to go out there before I go to Splitsville and, and see what I got. So, hey, well, just go to Splitsville and have fun, man. Don't be going out there like we used to, thinking it's all competition. Just go out there and have a little fun, you, get in the rhythm. It's so bone you know? 
<laughs> These old bones won't do the stuff they used to do. <laughs> right. That's, fool that's why we have to take it easy, man. <laughs> yeah, I know what you <laughs> mean, man. So, hey, yeah. it's, it's wonderful to hear your voice, Daryl. It really is. And, you know, you you were all, I think I told you this, man. You, you were one of my favorite players because I always felt that you, when you were out there, you gave more than just 100%. And I thought sometimes what you did even exceeded your ability, you know, just because you, you just seem to be such the, the uh, to me, the ultimate team player, you know. And um, so, you know, that I will never forget, you know. And then you had a very uh, illustrious career, I believe it was, with, was it Baltimore, was it the Colts, Baltimore Colts, I think. Did well, yeah, play? well, I played with a few teams, Ron, um, Seattle Seahawks, Atlanta Falcons. But, um, and, I, man, I tell you, man, I really appreciate this. You don't know how much it means when it comes from, from your peers. You know, you, you can hear people say things, but when it comes from your peers, um, they look at the game from a different level, just like me. Right. I look at the game differently, man. So coming right. from you, it means a whole lot more than coming from um, – um, just a fan. I, trust me. Um, yeah, it really well, does you mean know, a lot, man. Truth, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to call as you see it, and that's the way I saw it. Yeah. And uh, so, and even the coaches, I believe, uh, you know, would always, uh, you know, praise you and give you the accolades because you, you were just somebody who would just put on that on that on that hard hat and bring the lunchbox, and you went to work. And right. and and people appreciate you for that. All of the UM nation appreciates you for that because you, you, you weren't nothing. There was nothing uh, pretentious about you. You just came in. You did, you did a, a yoga's job. You know what I mean? Just went in there and you just worked. You know, it was all about the team with you. And, that's, and, I, you know, and I'm just glad that uh, we had somebody come through like you to show what, what it means to be on a team and play within the team structure because the day the game has changed so much. It's so much about me and I, and yeah. um, that's, and I think some of those teams back then when you played, to me, epitomized what it meant to be a team and have a family-oriented team concept. And I would agree with you, man. And when you look at some of those guys that played on some of those teams and you look at some of the, the unselfishness that we had back in the day, and I'm talking about guys like, um, like Eddie Brown, Eddie Brown, that's right. He's a, a superstar. You know what yeah, I mean? Stanley you know, Shakespeare. Stanley Shakespeare, you know? And, yeah, and awesome. even even coming up, um, players like Willie Smith, you know? Willie and, Smith. And, 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 um, and even Michael Irvin. You know, I played Michael with Michael Irvin, Irvin for yeah. two years. And Michael Irvin was a, he, he, he was a, he was a player in the puzzle of players at the University of Miami. You know, it was never, it was never Michael Irvin. He was just one of the guys. And, yeah, uh, exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? So, hey. Because you guys reloaded. Y'all, you know, what y'all, y'all used to, your, your motto was, we don't rebuild, we reload. You know? Well, so, hey. I, I tell you the same thing I tell everybody. When you walked out there to practice, believe me when I tell you, you looked up there to see where your name was on the depth chart. You, <laughs> nobody walked outside without looking up to see where your name was on that depth chart. And trust me, if it was some changes in that depth chart, by the time we got to the field, everybody knew what the changes were in the depth chart. Oh, you know what I'm see, saying? That's what I'm so talking about right that's now. That's what I'm talking about. You know, and, that, and that was the competition and the level of competition every day. You want to know where you were on the depth chart, whether you slipped, whether you went up, 
or whether you're the same place you were yesterday. You know, hey, so is it true? Is it true that I heard people say, uh, ex-players, that your practices were tougher than the games, and players actually look forward to playing the game as opposed to practicing against each other? Is that true? That is really true. I mean, there were, you know, when you play in University of Cincinnati, who do you want to go against? Jerome Brown, Danny Stubbs, Winston Moss, University of Cincinnati. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm serious. Who do you really want to go against? You want to go against Benny Blaze in the middle at safety. (laughs) Or Winston Moss in the middle at linebacker. You can throw George Meyer in there if you want to. Or you could just throw Bernard Clark in there if you want to. Or would you really, or would you rather go up against uh, uh, NC State? Come on, man. I mean, some of this stuff, you, you know, you really ask yourself, wow. Wow. Well, hey. Man, I tell you, I, I got so much joy because, you know, you guys came along and I like to believe we laid the foundation, the guys that played a little earlier. You know, we, we didn't have the luxury of having the dynamic coaching that you guys had. But, you know, I do believe that um, when Lou Saban came to Miami, he kind of changed the complexion in terms of the recruiting and the type of players that he he was uh, more focused on getting players that were uh, rooted in the community and Lou, and Lou actually had a ability to um, to communicate on a different level than what we had been accustomed to with the prior coaches and and so I think Lou actually kind of set a little bit of a foundation. We always played uh, tremendous defense, even though we didn't have the um, the level of uh, athletes that you guys had at the time, but we had guys who were fully committed to the program on defense because I played defense, and, and and some of the names I played with were like guys like Don Latimer, who was my roommate, who went on to have a tremendous career with the Denver Broncos. Reuben Carter, I'm sure you remember him. Stanley he was, uh, High School. You know, yeah, okay, so Reuben, these guys like that, Reuben Carter, uh, also, Johnny Turner, who was a roommate of mine, who went on to play with the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and Woody Bennett played for the Dolphins. He was a roommate. See, all see, we had a lot of all-American guys, names that if I threw out there, a lot of people would remember these guys because these guys had these illustrious careers oh, in, yeah. in, in, in the pros. Dennis Hara, Gary Dunn. I mean, these are guys I played yeah. with. Eddie yeah. Edwards with the Cincinnati Bengals and... You know, all of these guys. So we yeah. had talent. You know, there was talent there. And, and I'll tell you this. When you look at the photos from that 1978, 1977, back when you were on those teams, Saban brought in a lot of culture to that team. I mean, he brought some black players to that team that were not there prior to him being in that, being at, at, at Miami. Yes, and he you did. See, he also, you know, he and also Otis Anderson was another one of your teammates. Oh, NFL Otis, MVP. That's, that's right. Otis yeah. Anderson, Pat Walker. Uh, yeah. You know, we, I mean, we, we. I mean, I mean, the list can go on and on. We, I mean, we had uh, we had a lot of local talent and some good players from out of town as well, but we just didn't have the same structure that you guys had from yeah. the offensive stand, standpoint. Our defense always we, we we were always tenacious when we got on the field. We had a pretty decent defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach 
you know, he was, you know, he was a heralded uh, uh, person who understood stood how to play defense, and and I appreciate playing within his system, but we just didn't have the uh, overall system that you guys had from the standpoint of having an offense that that um, could be competitive, and so that put us in, in, at a at an advantage in so many uh, situations. Yeah. But you know, I, I mean, I'm just so proud that you guys came along and. And for many years, what, at least two, two, two and a half decades, you guys, um, uh, you guys, because you guys are actually the ones who um, got the ball rolling. And, yeah. uh, and and once you guys got the ball rolling, it, it became a freight train. It really you know? did. Yeah. And, hey, uh, Ronnie, we got to take a quick commercial break, but I want you to hold through the break, guys. Hey, we got Ronnie Walker from the University of Miami 1970s program. Hey, guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market you're tuned in to sports info um with daryl and sam Call us today at 888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or send us an email at sportsinfoum3793 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Sports Info UM. Hey, guys. It's going to be a bowling event at Splitsville in South Miami, 
February 29th, 6 p.m. The host, Reggie Wayne, is going to be the man of the house. And it's going to be a Monday, guys. So 6 p.m. on a Monday night, Splitsville, South Miami. Be there, February 29th. Hey, guys, we're talking to Ron Walker. And, Ron, you were just saying um, you think if the University of Miami had given Coach Snellenberger some of the things that he wanted and some of the things that I think the community thought would have helped everybody, which was a one of the things he wanted was a uh, an on-campus stadium. He wanted a 45,000-seat on-campus stadium, something like what Florida State had at the time. That's correct, and uh, I don't think that would have been unreasonable, but as you know, uh, there's a lot of politics when it comes to uh, something like that in Carl Gables, even now, you know, uh, you know, people, and it's, I understand, but I think at the time, the site that they were looking at was not even in Carl Gables. I think it was one that was Tropical Park. You know, I could be wrong. It used to be a horse track at one point. And That's exactly where they were looking at, Tropical Park. That's all you yeah, ever heard was Tropical Park, yeah. Yeah. And so yep. I think that would have been an ideal location. And uh, it's within, what, five miles of the campus at that far, you know. So, you know, but, you know, all things still worked out pretty good. I mean, the Orange Bowl, uh, actually the Orange Bowl became the home of the Hurricanes, and it became somewhere where the Hurricanes for, uh, well, I think you guys went 49 or, what, 52 games undefeated. No, we won 58, and we won 58 straight home games at, at that stadium. Oh, yeah, you know, that's right. So that, that was, record. Yeah, that was a big I deal, think. you know. That um, was a very, you guys definitely had an advantage there. I mean, that, that old stadium had so much. I tell you, I love going there because the stadium itself, uh, although it was not up to the standards of a lot of stadiums around the country, but at the same time, the mystique that it had, was just, uh, it, it was just unbelievable. And and I tell you something else you guys did with this community. Since I grew up in this community, for a long time, uh, especially I came up during the era of the McDuffie riots and all this. Yeah. But, you know, when Miami started winning, and nobody ever talks about this. You're I right. Think I, heard, I heard one guy mention it, and he was on, uh, he writes for the Miami Herald, and he has a radio station down here on, um, 790, um, I can't think of his name right off the bat, but he was one of the few people that mentioned how you how the community became galvanized over this team, and um, on Saturdays and, and, and Thursday nights and whatever you guys played, for, for, for that moment in time and doing that run that you guys had, if you were a Hurricane fan, a local person that was a Hurricane fan, you were considered family. And for so long, there was a camaraderie among the fans that it was just, you know, it was like a ceasefire. You know, everything, put everything else aside, right now we're Hurricane fans. And I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. And at, at one point, it was, um, that was a Hurricane town. I mean, we just made the Dolphins didn't exist. Exactly. I mean, it, it the Dolphins just were like a semi-pro team, and then exactly. there were the Hurricanes. And I mean, I'm telling you, everybody from Hispanics to to the to the uh, to Haitians, the black, black, to the white, white, Haitians. It didn't matter. You know, 
it didn't make a difference. No, I never seen not. this city be more galvanized. And then on top of what made it so, to me, what really brought it together was it was almost us against the world type of attitude. Because everybody hated us. Yeah, everybody. And we, and we, and we didn't make it easy. We didn't make. We didn't help the cause either, man. I'm telling you, I got to get this guy Brian Blades on the show because he started a lot of stuff back in the '80s, man. I'm telling you, his brother had to get him out of a lot of stuff, but that brain could start some mess, man. I mean, well, well, you know something, and he had the community behind him, though. Yeah, he did. He had the whole community behind him. He had the community behind him, and then you know, you had had like like Luke Luke Skywalker, uh, 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 you know, (laughs) hey. Yeah, I mean, I, I have never seen, and, and the guy, and, and they were, he was right, Michael and Brian, when they said they come on South Beach. Because for years, I worked on South Beach in the clubs as a bouncer. Yeah, and, and it was true that the Miami players would come to South Beach and they get preferential treatment. We got preferential they treatment. Hurt. Because we were the hurricane. And people made it be known, man, that the hurricanes will be at so-and-so club tonight and this and that. And, I mean, everywhere we went, we got in free and we got free drinks. You know what I mean? If we had to pay to get in someplace, we left. And we made it be known. You're going to charge the national check? Oh, you play for the hurricane? Come on in. And if you did pay, no, we leave and we'll just go someplace else because they're going to let us in free. And we're going to be drinking and having a good time all night long. But no, we got a lot of preferential treatment, man. And it, it was easy to recruit them, too. And I used to, because it was easy to sell the program to the locals. I mean, everybody wanted to be, be a hurricane back then. You, yeah. know, I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it. Back then, I remember going to an airport somewhere in Texas somewhere, and I, I couldn't believe the Miami paraphernalia that I saw. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. all, I mean, all around the country, it was like... You know, yeah. just and then Luke. You know when Luke got did the video, the two live crew. They were they yeah. were hurricane down. You know That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it, it was you know so there was so much hurricane mania. Although it was like one of those things where people love to hate you. You know, <laughs> you know it was like yeah we 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 hate the hurricanes, but their kids loved them. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we, yeah. We, yeah. The Miami program should be disbanded. Remember Sports <laughs> Illustrated right. calling. Yeah, court. can you believe you that? Know, it's a death yep. penalty. And it was just, man, let me tell you something. This program, even now, I'm, I'm so glad that they got a, a quality coach in here. Somebody who I, you know, I have so much respect for, not just because he's a good coach, but he's, he's a great human being. And um, he's going to bring something to the school that, you know that we can use, and, and at the same, he's going to bring the talent. Number one, uh, number two, he's highly qualified, and number three, he's a man of faith and morals. He has values. He brings morals and values that I think our kids today. If you're a parent, when you start making the decision as to where you would want your kid to go, I think all you need to do is sit down for a couple of minutes and talk to. This head coach, Mark Rick, and you'll see that you just—they just don't get any better. Here's somebody that's going to treat your kid like as if he was his kids. He takes pride in doing that. So, uh, you know, I, I'm so happy that you know I'm I'm a man of faith myself, and and I know you are, and I'm so happy to have a man of faith 
being able to come in and, and not just build a great program with a winning record, but build great character in the kids so that they have winning lives. You understand what I'm saying? I understand totally what you're saying. And I, and, um, and I think I'm going to add to it. And, and, and Mark Rick is a man of God, and he's not afraid to say he's a man of God. And I think Amen. that means a lot. And, and, if, and if you can stand up and say it in front of the world, um, hey, you, you really don't have to. That says a lot of, of who he is and what he's about. And I think Mark is, um, he's, he's learned a tremendous amount of football and he's got a whole lot of wisdom. And, um, you know, I, I, I played with Mark Rick one year. But I was at a national coaches convention, and he was the um, just got the job at George. He had been there maybe two years, and um, I went and sat in the front row while he was the guest speaker at one of the trainings uh, in New Orleans for this coaching clinic. And uh, he saw me, and uh, at the at the end of his event, he came over and spoke to me, and we talked for a few minutes, you know. But you know. It, that that's the kind of guy he is, you know. He the family of the University of Miami had had not left him. He came over. He spoke to me. He didn't have to because I was just a red shirt freshman when he was a senior leaving the University of Miami, and um, and I think that says a lot about this man and who he is. And I look forward to him doing some big things at the University of Miami. I'm praying for his success. Um, I know he has a lot of people that are that are praying for him and pulling for him to do well. Hey, expectations well, I, are high. I concur. I concur with you on that. And he is a man who, uh, no doubt, is his faith is strong. And um, and I and, and that's that's why I guess I really really think that they got a a real blue chipper. Uh, that's a term they don't use anymore. I guess blue <laughs> chip, but, <laughs> you know. But that's what they used to call us back in the day. Blue chippers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah so, now they now they go by the stars. You know, he's a five yeah, yeah, star. Five. Well, I had to give I had to give Mark Rick a five star. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Mark is a five star. There you go. Yeah, I got a five star, <laughs> yeah. man. Well, I'm gonna hey. give Mark a five star too, and uh, and I and I'm probably a little biased, and you are too, because he does come from that University of Miami family, and uh, you get a you get a you get a leg up when you've come from the University of Miami family from the family. Well, I, I don't think it's so much that we're being biased either because he's got a record to prove this. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, you're talking about a man with a real resume. You know, I mean, uh, he's got it. And, it, you know, it, it's a bit cane, you know, so, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I think we're in a win-win situation no matter what the circumstance. I think when, when these young men leave this university, they're going to be prepared to go out into the world and meet challenges in a way that perhaps if they had gone somewhere else, they may not learn some of the things they're going to learn with him. So I think there are going to be a lot of life lessons taught. And I think we're going to be proud of these young men, no matter what their endeavors are, once they leave the University of Miami and they get off the football field. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the accomplishments that they're going to make in the world. Uh, because of a person and a coach like Marrick. Hey, man, Re- uh, Ronnie, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and thanks for coming and being a part of Sports Info, you and radio show. We're here every Monday night. Call us anytime, 
and we'll talk about anything from sports to religion. We're always here for you. Hey, and one thing these people are saying about Mark Rick, guys, is that he can't win the big one. And trust me, when I've gone to the Russell Athletic Bowl in Orlando or uh, some other semi-semi-pro, not even a Citrus Bowl in Orlando to see my Hurricanes lose, um, Mark, just get us to the big game. Get us to a Sugar Bowl, uh, uh, get us to an Orange Bowl or a Cotton Bowl and let the Hurricanes win for you. You don't have to do it. We'll do it for you, baby. We've been there before. It's been a while, but we've been there. Hey, guys, we'd like to thank all of our guests tonight, uh, Ronnie, Hiram, um, Stephen. Hey, guys, thanks for calling. Be a part of Sports Info Show. And, guys, next week we'll be back with more Sports Info Thanks again for listening. Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword will be back again next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel for more Sports Info UM. We'll see you then.